Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 in your scriptures this morning, Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 1 of this text and read down uh, to about verse 11. So verse 1, chapter 1, the book of Acts, the former treatise, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. I've underlined that. How about you? That's a key phrase, isn't it? Infallible proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both, that too is a key word, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the other most part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they behold, excuse me, beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into the heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I'm thankful for that promise, aren't you? The question is, why? That's the question that we have been asking here for several weeks on our Sunday mornings in worship. We have discovered the importance of why do we believe what we believe? Why do we have a certain belief? We've Looked at our belonging. Why do we belong to this place or to a church, a a local body of believers? Why is that so important? We've discovered that. We have looked last Sunday at who we are becoming. Why is it important to become a believer or to become more separate from the world once we are saved? Today, the question why comes with activity. Why is it important to broadcast, key word, Why is it important to broadcast this spiritual journey that we are on? If you're saved, say amen. You are on a spiritual journey. You are walking with Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that? Why is it so important to tell others, to broadcast this journey or relationship that that you are in or that you are on? Think about it. God has put much emphasis on the fact that salvation and his pursuit of us is not to be a secret. That's what John 3.16 is all about, isn't it? This is not a secret, what we are doing here this morning. God is pursuing each and every one of us. And I would say to you this morning, if you're here and you are not saved, you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. God, God of the universe, is pursuing you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Scripture teaches us that 
Time itself has been nothing but season after season of God reaching for a personal relationship with his creation. From the book of Genesis all the way to the warning of the book of Revelation, God is and has been reaching for a personal relationship with you and I. In our text, we find that the disciples here in Acts chapter 1 are now hit with a dose of reality, aren't they? Dose of reality as to the way things are going to be until the rapture of the church. The way that that things were going to be for the rest of their life, the rest of their testimony in relationship with Christ. Listen, at this point, they were scattered. They were rattled, yet more prepared for what God wanted to do in and through them than they even personally realized. One week, think about the story here, one week they followed Jesus down the street while he rode a donkey, and the people proclaimed to Jesus, Hosanna. Do you remember that? The scripture teaches us in the, in the gospels that not only did they cry Hosanna, but they were taking off their outer garments and laying them down so that the donkey himself didn't walk on clear ground. They were truly praising who Jesus was. The crowd was lifting up their voice in unity, one accord, calling out Hosanna to the king while the disciples beheld, beheld his glory. As they walked alongside him, the next week, you know the story, they were watching from a distance. They were not following as closely as they had the previous week. They were not even claiming their relationship with him. They were watching from afar as he was tried, as he was beaten, as he was crucified. Some of them cleaned his body, his dead and broken body, placed him in a tomb, and then he resurrected. Talk about the full gamma. They were scattered. They were rattled. But yet they were prepared to do this job that God had called them to do even more than they had realized. Please take note that it wasn't until they were, verse 4 of our text in Acts chapter 1, they were assembled together. In verse 6, they had come together that Christ revealed the Holy Spirit power that would propel them to broadcast the gospel truth. Can I say that to you this morning? This is a healthy thing that we are doing. This is important for us. This is, this is uh, uh, spiritually healthy because in verse 4 it says that they were assembled together. Verse 6 says that they had come together. And it is in that moment that God propelled them through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he had called them to do. You could make the argument the world isn't ready. You could make that argument in Acts chapter 1 that the world isn't ready to receive the gospel message. They had just crucified Jesus. They're not ready to hear about the gospel story of Jesus Christ. Listen, the bloodstains on the cross were not even dry at this point. You could say that maybe the culture was not ideal. You could probably make the argument that the culture was not accepting. They certainly were not accepting. But I want to say to you this morning, we could make those same arguments about our culture. But that's a narrow viewpoint. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The gospel will always chide with society. Please say amen. Why? Because it's truth. It goes against the grain of our wicked ways. There will never be an ideal setting for the gospel. It is to be proclaimed and preached no matter what. According to the Barna Research Group regarding evangelism, 
broadcasting the truth that has changed and transformed our life. I have a few statistics that I'd like to share with you. Now, these are somewhat dated. These are a few years old. But I'm sure in the age of these, it has only gotten worse rather than better. Nine out of ten, according to Barna, nine out of ten American adults cannot accurately define the meaning of the Great Commission. Nine out of ten have no idea what that means when you say the Great Commission. Seven out of ten adults have no clue what John 3.16 really means. They've seen it on signs. They see it held up at ball games in different settings, but they really don't know what it means any longer. Barely one-third of all adults know the meaning of the expression, the gospel. Even more shocking, only about 53%, listen, of born-again Christians, 53% of born-again Christians feel a sense of responsibility to tell others about their faith. Only 53%. In our text, Jesus could have said a lot of things about a lot of subjects, but he only discussed the most important, and that's evangelism. Number one this morning, he gives a promise, a promise of power. Oftentimes our viewpoint of evangelism or broadcasting the truth is skewed because of the misunderstanding of authority and strength that comes with it. We must recognize the hour of power that we are living in. Christ says in verse 7 of our text, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. You would think by this time in their walk, speaking of the disciples or the apostles, their walk with Christ, they would recognize that things revolve around Jesus' schedule. Please say amen to that. Yeah, we often, we often get that skewed in our own mind too. We think that things should, should revolve around our schedule. Things revolve around God's timetable. He didn't appear to talk about the timing and reasoning of everything. Like always, he was concerned about the business the business of, of truth. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, if you're keeping notes, maybe you would jot that address down. It says this, Jesus says this, I must be about my Father's business. What is Jesus concerned about today? The very same thing. Spiritual business. God's business. The disciples ask a very pertinent question. They say this, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? In verse 6, they, they ask, they were wondering about their current season and the future of it and what God was going to do about it. Does that sound familiar? If you look around today, boy, there is a whole lot going on, isn't there? Very little of it makes sense. You'll be confused. You'll be frustrated. Could I get a witness on that one? <laughs> no mercy. You'll wonder what is going on. If you're not careful, your flesh will be challenged to even wonder what's going on in the shadows. You'll be led down paths of conspiracy and and begin to try to connect all of this together. You know, really, that's what the disciples were, were leaning toward when they asked the question, Lord, what are you doing? What in the world is going on around us today? We need some answers from you. We need to know exactly what your plan is. Are you going to set up your kingdom at this current time? That's what they're saying. That's what they're asking. And he, he simply said in verse 7, if you ever text open, glance at it. In verse 7, he says this, it's not for you to know. Could we rejoice in that this morning? And I would say to a few of you this morning, stop trying to do the math of it. God knows what he's doing. It's not for you to know. One of these days, we'll look back over our faith's shoulder, and it won't matter at that point, but we'll know what he was doing. It'll all make sense. We'll be able to see it very clearly over our faith's shoulder. Today, 
you and I, just like the, the disciples, we need to rest in his words of verse 7. It's not for you to know. There's a lot of application for that in our current hour, our current season of today. We should rest in the fact that God has put this season together, amen? In his own power, verse 7 says, later in the verse. God's in control of what is going on. You don't have to make sense of all of it. You just got to trust that God knows exactly what he's doing. That means that this is an hour of power. This is our opportunity to reach the world with the gospel. To broadcast, if you're saved, say amen. To broadcast the very thing that has changed and transformed your life. This is your hour to speak about Jesus. This is our hour, the hour of power for us to broadcast the truth, to evangelize the truth of Jesus. We must receive the power available. He's not referring to political power in this. The disciples were wondering somewhat about that. If he was going to set up his kingdom and take over. They were very concerned with politics. They were concerned with the Roman Empire on the heels of the crucifixion. Like many of us today are concerned about our leadership and the politics that is, or the lack thereof that is going on in our world today. What I'm trying to say to you and I this morning is I'm trying to exhort you to keep our focus on what is most important. The anxiety, the uncertainty, and the unpreparedness all go away with the revelation of available Holy Spirit power. Let me say that to you this morning. There is a lot of anxiety that comes with the personal responsibility of sharing your faith. Often folks don't talk about the things of of, of church, the things of a spiritual relationship with Christ, because we're often anxious about that. How will it be received? What will someone say? Well, this is a big one. What will someone ask? What if they ask a question that I don't know? That's when you have the preacher's cell phone on speed dial. That's a really good question. Let me call my preacher. Let's put him on speaker. Let's put him totally on, on the spot, huh? You have that opportunity, amen? The anxiety and the the uncertainty, the unpreparedness all go away when we realize, if you're saved, say amen, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to evangelize. God doesn't expect or want you to do anything in your life in your own power. That's why he gave us this power promise of the Holy Spirit. God does not want you to witness to your neighbor in your own power. By the way, if you do that in your own strength, you're going to mess it up. He doesn't want you to do that in your own strength, in your own power. He wants you to do it in your faith, your relationship with him. He wants the Holy Spirit to use your words. Now, I've told you this before, but I have found it to be more effective when I say to the Lord, okay, Lord, I'm going to wait on you to bring it up. I'm going to wait on you in this setting, in this conversation, in this gathering. I'm going to wait on you to bring up spiritual matters and spiritual needs. And every time that I have ever done that in my entire spiritual life, he's always been faithful to do so. He opens the door. The other person brings it up, or the conversation leads to spiritual things. Number two this morning, purpose. Purpose for the power. The main focus of the Holy Spirit in the world is to convict of sin and point to the need and availability of accepting Christ in one's life. In the life of the believer, he brings us assurance speaking of the Holy Spirit, and points us to purpose within our salvation. Purpose is found in doing your part. Doing your part. Listen, you do not have the ability, you do not have the opportunity as a saved individual for, for your neighbor to do all of the spiritual work. I've had folks over the years say that to me. 
Hey, I have a real burden for my neighbor to be saved. Could you stop over there and witness to them and invite them to church? Yeah, absolutely I could and would. Let me have their address. What's their name? Give them fair warning that I'm coming. But have you done that already? Well, no, no, not not per se. My neighbor's a little grumpy. Oh, okay, so you're going to sick the wolves on your preacher. Thanks a lot. I love you. How about you go over there first, right? How about you go over there and talk to your burden first before you sick a second wave on them? Amen? We all have a responsibility as saved individuals to share the truth of the gospel. It's not just the preacher's job. Please say amen to that. It's not just the staff member's job. We're not careful we can have that mindset. Everyone has a piece and a part in this responsibility. Jesus had come to bear witness of the Father and his love for mankind. That's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he, what's it say? Gave his only begotten son. So in verse 8 of our text says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me. He is explaining, Jesus is explaining the job title for every believer. The apostles would bear witness of Jesus' death and resurrection, proving God's love for mankind, just like Jesus had done in his own ministry. The Holy Spirit's functional power was evidenced in their efforts. Notice this effect was immediate. Notice the power that worked through the apostles. Let me give you just a few. If you're keeping notes, I would write every one of these down. I have listed them in bold print in my in my notes this morning, because these are the things that the Holy Spirit desires to do in each and every one of us as we broadcast the truth of Jesus Christ. First of all, he made them bold. Now, we know that that was natural in Peter's, Peter's vocabulary. In his personality, he had a bold personality, didn't he? All the while, all those frustrating moments back in the, the ministry of Jesus, all those moments when we'd like to jump into the Scripture and look at, look at Peter and say, Shh, Jesus is trying to do something. Could you, spiritually, uh, could you spiritually shut up? God was preparing him for the day of Pentecost, wasn't he? The Lord knew that he'd be bold enough to stand up and talk and preach about the crucifixion while it was still fresh in that culture and society. God knew if anybody could do it, Peter could do it. The Holy Spirit made them bold. Go with me to the uh, chapter of 4, Acts chapter 4 in your scripture Let's see another example of boldness. You're in chapter 1. We're going to chapter 4, verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness, you see that of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They took knowledge of them. Look at this. That they had been with Jesus. What a testimony. The Holy Spirit made them bold. The Holy Spirit made them passionate. That's your next one. The Holy Spirit empowered them to be passionate. Chapter 5 of the book of Acts, verse 40. Chapter 5, verse 40. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council. Look at this. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Oftentimes, you and I, when we are, and I use this word very lightly, persecuted for our faith, listen, we're not interested in revisiting that moment. We'll mark that address off. We go canvassing. Someone's rude. Someone comes out. What do you want? What are you doing? Jesus loves you. (laughs) Hey, we're going to mark that off. Nothing. I wasn't doing anything. I'm walking up that sidewalk again. They were passionate passionate about the things of Christ. They were passionate about seeing souls 
come to know Christ. They were bold. They were passionate. They were effective. Chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And the word of God increased. The number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. What's that next word? Say it out loud. Greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient. That too is a good word to the faith. It says that they were multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. They were effective. Evangelism is hard work. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of prayer. You want to see souls saved? You want to win someone to Christ? You better get on your knees. It starts there. That's where you're seeking the power of the Holy Spirit, not just in you, but in the other person. It's hard work. It takes a lot of effort. And it's not something that you can just pursue one week and put it to bed. It's something that God has called us to do every week, every day, that God tarries. This is our job. This is our responsibility. It says that they were effective. Next, they were content. Acts chapter 13. I put these in order for you. You can thank me later. Acts chapter 13, verse 52. Acts chapter 13, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. They were content. Did they have an easy life, Pastor Josh? Is that why they were filled with joy? Was it a downhill slide for them at all times? You already know the answers to those. No, in some cases, in some instances, in some seasons, it was awful. But the Holy Spirit was always faithful to do His job. Holy Spirit was always faithful to provide them with the joy that they so needed. They were bold. They were passionate. They were effective. They were content. This last one. They were unstoppable. Chapter 17, verse 6. They were unstoppable. Verse 6 says, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have, notice this, turned the world upside down, are come hither also. They had turned the world upside down for the cause of Christ. Somebody ought to get excited about that. They were unstoppable for the things of God. These are traits and characteristics that every one of us would want they would want, we would want these things used to explain our lives or our testimony, our walk with Christ. We would want someone to say about us and Jesus that we were bold for the cause of Christ. We would want someone to say that we are passionate about our relationship and our love for Christ. We would want someone to say, wow, they are so effective for the cause of Christ. They're so content. They're so at peace with the things in their life. I'll say one thing for them. They sure are unstoppable when it comes to their relationship with Christ. These are things, wouldn't you agree with this? These are things that we would want someone to say about our relationship with the Lord. And I believe that these are easily traceable to the fruit of the Spirit, meaning that this is what He does in the life of a believer. This is what He fulfills in each and every one of us if we'll let Him. Verse 8 of our text in Acts chapter 1 says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me. I ask you that question this morning. In what way are you fulfilling that purpose? In what way are you being a witness for the cause of Christ? Please don't answer this out loud, but did you invite someone to church this past week? Did you say to your neighbor, to your coworker, hey, would you come to church with me this Sunday? Did you invite somebody to your Sunday school class, your spiritual education class at 9 o'clock? Some of you, did you, tell, did you tell your coworker that, hey, I've got practice all weekend this weekend for the Easter drama. You cannot miss this. Listen, this is going to be great. You praying for your lost friend? You stopping by the track racks on your way in or way out and picking up some tracks? Leaving them at the table as you talk to the waitress or the waiter? Putting them in the envelope as you pay your bills? How are you being a witness? Are you sharing, praying? How about this? Writing someone? Excuse me? No one writes letters any longer, Pastor Josh. How about an email? 
Sometimes it's a little more easy to put in writing what you'd like to say rather than face-to-face communicating, especially in some relationships. I've told you that before. I've challenged you with that before. Get creative. Are you encouraging? I found this to be so true. Are you investing in someone? Some folks are going to get saved just like we have talked about on Tuesday afternoon. Some, some folks are going to get saved right out of the gate the first time that they hear it. Other folks are going to take investment. You're going to have to love on them, spend time with them, take them to breakfast. Time after time, chipping away, building a relationship that points to Christ. Number three, power in practice. Power in practice. Vance Havner said, quote, The gospel is not something we come to church to hear. It is something we go from church to tell. End quote. Let's look at the scope of our mission. In verse 8, Jesus says that we are to do this both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, in the uttermost part of the earth. That is like saying we are to witness for the cause of Christ here in Wilmington, but not only in Wilmington in the state of Ohio, not only in the state of Ohio, but in the United States of America, not only in the USA, but all over the world. And Jesus says in verse 8 that we're to do that at the same time, all at once. And I want to say to you this morning, it's possible. It's possible with everyone doing their part, everyone fulfilling their job. This in chapter uh, 1, verse 8, is a table of contents. Do you ever realize that? It's a table of contents for the rest of the book. If you're keeping notes, I would challenge you to write this down, and you can research it later. Witnessing in Jerusalem, as Jesus says, that's chapters 1 through 7. Witnessing in Judea and Samaria, that's chapters 8 through 12 of the book of Acts. And witnessing to the uttermost parts, that's chapters 13 through 28. It's a table of contents for what happens. The church is not a program of entertainment. It is a fueling station for the gospel mission. Let me give that to you again, some of your writing. The church is not a program of entertainment. It is a fueling station for the gospel mission. If you're here for entertainment, you're you're going to be disappointed. We're not here to entertain you. I've heard that. I've been here for over 20 years as part of this ministry. I've heard people come here and say that. What do you have to offer us? What programs do you offer? Listen, we're not here to entertain you, to keep you busy. We're here to preach the truth of Jesus Christ, to edify the saints. It's what we're called to do. This is not a YMCA. This is a church. Not only the scope of the mission, but let's look at the surrender of the mission, and we'll be finished. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you turn there, and we'll be done. Make some application out of a short verse that the Apostle Paul shares with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 Verse 22, Apostle Paul is speaking about evangelism in this text. He says in verse 22, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof. Look at this, with you. Paul is drawing or tying us into the same responsibility that he has personally, key word, surrendered his life to he's testifying that he has surrendered to be what the individual to be the individual that he can be to each and every relationship that god allows him to be a part of to the weak i became weak whatever those around him needed him to be listen he likened unto them so that he could share with them the truth of jesus christ he didn't let down his testimony he didn't compromise his standards or convictions please say amen to that but he did liken To all of those that God gave him opportunity. Why do I or why do you need to broadcast the truth of Christ? Well, the answer to that is very simple. That's because that is exactly what God has created you to do. 
Why do I need to broadcast? Why do I need to share? Why do I need to talk about the things that has changed my life in the way of faith? Because that's what God has called you to do. For the believer this morning, I challenge you. I challenge you this week to take a step in that direction. I would certainly start today and begin to pray about that. Please don't do it without prayer. You'll fail. Pray for opportunity. So then when it comes, you'll recognize, okay, this is it, God. This is the moment. Thank you for it. Pray about an individual. Maybe specifically, maybe you already know a name of someone that you need to share the gospel with. Pray about approach. Plan out those next steps. Get a gospel track. Put in your pocket so that you're prepared. I have them on business cards in my wallet. I don't even know how many of those I hand out in a week's time. So have the simple gospel message on the back of a business card with my contact information on the front. I'm investing. Got my number on there. You can call me. Let's talk about these things. Amen? I'm challenging you. If you're here this morning and you are saved, what are you going to do about the spiritual responsibility that God has placed upon you to broadcast his truth? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, God wants you to be saved today. He wants to have a personal relationship with you in the way of his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Pastor Josh, there's nothing more than I, that I would love to have than that. But you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done in my life. You don't know the sin that I'm involved in. You don't know how much sin I've built up. Oh, friend, you're no different than any of us. You're just a sinner. God gave his son to pay for your sin. Listen to this. All of it. Every bit of it. He wants you to be saved today. He wants you to have the peace and the assurance that when your life is over, your physical life is over, that you'll be in heaven with him for all of eternity. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122. Or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day, and may God bless you.